Welcome to 931, Growing the Church in Canada, a podcast about church revitalization and hosted by Heritage College and Theological Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. Join us as we explore with Canadian leaders strategic topics related to church revitalization. I'd like to welcome John Korkadakis back to part two of our interview with him as we discuss issues related to church health and evangelism. Now, you started teaching Hebrew. That was all you were teaching in those, in those in, early years? In the early years, yeah. And then you began to add other Old Testament. I noticed in looking at your uh, book that we're going to talk about a little bit later that you love the Old Testament and uh, do a significant amount of teaching in that. What, what would you say, what do you, what do you enjoy most about teaching? What subjects? I assume it's Old Testament, but what, what do you know, mo- enjoy most about the process and sort of subject area that you would choose to focus on or that you do focus on even currently? Oh, you know, boy, that's, that's such a tough question because, you know, if, if there's one gift that, that God has given me is, is the gift of teaching for whatever reason. Uh, I just, I love doing it. And I love the fact that I have one foot in pastoral ministry, one foot in the academic yes. world. Yes. Um, I, I, I feel the students love having that dynamic that's in a, the classroom. That's really part of our ethos at, at Heritage, yeah. isn't it? Which, yeah. which I think keeps us, keeps us rooted that we exist for Christ in the church. It keeps you from being too theoretical. It, it's that balance, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, over the years, I have... I have wandered, um, you know, I, I teach Gospel of John, okay. um, you know, uh, uh, Book of Hebrews. Um, but lot, there's lots of rooting and cross-pollination with the Old Testament. Oh, yeah, Ab- absolutely. Which, uh, with that, you don't really understand those, any New Testament text, frankly. Would you comment briefly? I know there's a pushback and discussion, certainly in the blogosphere, about what place the Old Testament has. Why, why is that? I, without naming names, why... Why do you think there's such a pushback against the Old Testament? They just don't see, people don't see the value, leaders don't see the value of it, or they feel that we can leave that behind. That was for God's old covenant people, now we're under the, under the new covenant. Any, any brief comments on that? Well, um, you, you know, I, I, I struggle with that too, because, you know, I'm, I'm teaching First and Second Corinthians right now, and we're into the section of, uh, at least I am in my notes, not yet with the students, in the Second Corinthians uh, where it, where it talks about the old covenant and the new covenant, how it's death and life and spirit and flesh and, and all those con- contrasts. Um, but, I, but I think to just uh, jettison the Old Testament is a huge mistake because almost every New Testament promise, prophecy, passage is shaped by the Old Testament in one way or another. To jettison the law and, and ignore it as the fulfillment of what Christ has brought to the church today is, is, is a huge mistake. Hmm. I think there's something about the continuity of God's sovereign work in history that makes a big impact to the world today. Yes. And when we jettison something, we're almost saying that, that that's unimportant to how God worked in history back then. Only now is important. And I think that's a really false view of seeing the world and, and seeing the way that God has moved through history. Maybe it's a strange love and adherence to everything modern. It, so it's a re- rejection it, of the past. Let's let's stay current. In fact, even progress for some beyond the boundaries of Scripture. But that's another another topic. Uh, as you know, one of our initiatives is uh, leading the um, Heritage Partner Church Resource Center. That's one of my main tasks. And 
in that area of church health and growth, one of the things that we really focus on is redefining and refocusing leadership. We just feel there needs to be a call back to a biblical understanding of what leadership is, what priorities a leader should have. In your understanding, as the Lord has led you through your own study and ministry, what, what are the main priorities of a pastoral leader? I'm, uh, this is probably going to be a little bit of a different answer, but I, I, I try to shape the whole understanding of pastoral leadership uh, in what I call three dimensions. Um, and this three dimensions uh, is something that over time has been ingrained in the way I do leadership, even the way I present messages, uh, in the way I see the scriptures. Um, and it's a, it's a three-dimensional understanding. There's, there's the vertical dimension. And with the vertical dimension, that's everything teaching about God, his character, his nature, Christ. Um, that teaching element is, is very important nowadays because there's a lot of people that have a wrong view of the character and nature of God. And to me, it's, it's, it's sad to think that people are missing out on, inter on eternity because they've rejected a God that doesn't exist. Right. A caricature that someone caricature. has presented totally incorrectly and has distorted the, the real reality. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever run into a non-believer and uh, when asked, who is God, that they've ever answered it uh, faithfully. Interesting. Um, they picked it up from? Oh, yeah. yeah. From and all I, kinds of sources. From all kinds. And, I, and I've asked them, why do you think God is primarily this or however, however you read it? What, you know, there's there's a, a negative experience that they haven't been able to filter it through. Uh, they've heard it from someone. You know, I, I say to our church all the time, the two greatest influences that you have is the culture around you and yes. the people closest to you. Yes. And how how those people, those things impact you is going to frame your reality. And um, so that's a, that's a biggie, you know, what's the vertical, vertical component, dimension. you know? And then comes the horizontal dimension. How do we apply this? How do we make this real in people's lives? How do, how do we take the, the understanding of who God the Father is and, and sending his son Jesus and what the spirit of God, all of those things. And how, how do we make that real for people? On, on a horizontal level, because uh, you know, uh, if if you just stay with the vertical, you're just theologizing. If you just stay with the horizontal, you're just moralizing. So the two have to be integrated. And I see a lot of the the biblical stories the same way. Um, you know, uh, there's the vertical dimension, which is the most important dimension in every biblical story. But it's told through story. It's told yes. through the lives yes. of people. The connection the, point the con with, with the hearers. Yeah, and that's, and that's the connection point for most people. So I try to stay faithful to the vertical and how does it apply to the uh, horizontal. But the third dimension is the grace dimension. Um, how do we reach out to a world, a culture, in a loving, Christ-like way? And Bringing the other two into an impactful community, whatever presence as God, as the Spirit of God makes, leads us through transformation. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm not any better than anyone else, that I'm on the same journey and the same grace has been extended to me. 
And this is a wonderful journey of learning how to live in abundance as Christ promised. Um, and I think, I, I think this, you know, uh, we can argue all, all we want about the place of grace and God's love and stuff like that, but it's, it's what resonates with people. And, and certainly the church, I think, um, has gotten uh, a bad image for being all the negative things as opposed to being truly what it should represent. And that's the love of Christ. So using the illustration of a stool, I mean, finding the balance or a tripod, you have to have all of those three in balance together in order to see the, the most significant impact. This is how God has led you. So it's, it's, it's shaping your preaching. It's shaping, how, can you give us a brief example of how it shapes your leadership style? Well, you know, uh, for instance, we, we, we have what we call our bridge statement here as, as a staff. Uh, it all has to be biblical. It has to be real, has to be inspiring, has to be dynamic, has to be grace-filled, and has to be excellent. And that's kind of like the filter, that's the grid of when we do things, uh, does it measure up to our bridge statement? So you keep coming back, that's your reference point yeah. in staff, in assessment, personal uh, team assessment to say this is what we're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it shapes it. What would you say briefly are the top three challenges that leaders, church leaders are facing today? Let's, let's take a Canadian context or maybe beyond that, that's probably the one you're most familiar with, but what would you say are the top major challenges that uh, leaders, pastoral leaders face? Well, fighting against culture. Um, that, that's a huge one. And there's many heads on that one. Yes. Um, it, it's hard to kind of nail it down. That, that one is probably covers all three okay. right, right at the very top. You know, biblical illiteracy is, is, is another one. Um, I think the other, I think a, a third challenge, which, which I consider to be the most difficult job of the church, is, is discipleship. Um, we're, we're called to make disciples. And yet, um, regardless of size, no two people learn the same. Yes. So how do you structure a church um, beyond, you know, um, a, a, a talk on Sunday morning or a message on Sunday morning and grow people in an authentic way um, as the Bible? It's not a course. It's, it's not just a program. It's, yeah. You have to, are you thinking through that as a staff, where, where as leaders, where you're actually retooling, you're reforming your process? Is that a fair statement of what you're, well, at, what you're doing as leaders here? Oh yeah, ab absolutely. Like what, what are the connection points? How do we, how do we um, um, build um, entrance points where regardless of your gifting or how you learn, you have an opportunity to connect and not just connect, but to grow deeper. Um, this church has sermon-based life groups, which we believe very strongly in sermon-based life groups. Everybody's on the same page. Yes. Everybody's asking the same questions. Everybody's struggling with the same text. Um, you know, it just, it brings the entire church together yes. in a way that's Super unifying. Oh, ab unifying. absolutely. And we have found that involvement in life groups is, is about 70% in this church. Praise God. Which is which yes. is really high compared yes. to many churches. Um, so it's it, it, it's an opportunity for people to get together in closed groups, to grow together, hold each other accountable, 
And we have found it to be a tremendous tool. Um, but we're trying to work beyond that. What about, what about the 30% that, right, that haven't right. connected yet? And we're working as a staff on new initiatives to sort of bring that to reality. Now let's move uh, in, in the last part of this uh, interview into the whole area of this book that you've written. I just had a chance recently to, to acquire it. Uh, I apologize for not having read it before, <laughs> but I knew this interview was coming. But I've enjoyed it uh, very immensely, The Trojan Horse of Leadership. What, what is the main thesis? What are you driving at in the book? Well, the main thesis is your greatest strength can potentially become your greatest liability. Um, we live in a culture where um, you ignore your weaknesses. Um, you just focus on your strengths. Yes, that's counsel happens, that's, given it over and over and over. Every, you know, that's in the business world, that's, that's even in the church world. Um, it's all about your strengths. Uh, that's fine and good, but the reality is I've never had somebody come into my office and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me because I'm really good with money. Or pray for me because I'm, I'm really good at, at hospitality. And I'm afraid that those things could potentially steer me away from serving God faithfully. Wow. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a reality. It's a part of our character that we don't protect. It's easy. We to, assume too much about it. We assume too much about it. And we say, you know, God's gifted me this way. I'm okay in this particular area. So if you're going to pray for me, pray for the weak areas of my life. But I don't need protection when it comes to the, how God has gifted me. Even though that is why you're in leadership, because you've demonstrated gifts of leadership. That's why people follow you. That's why you're good on the platform. That's why, you know, you make what you do and, and all of those components. That's what makes you successful, if you want to talk about it in those terms. And yet, time and again, successful people are falling. Yes, and failing. absolutely. And we're trying to figure out why. And we easily attribute it to a weakness. But is that necessarily true? Okay. Um, now, over the course of, of teaching the Old Testament, especially the wisdom books, you know, the, the, the question that would invariably get asked of me when we're doing Solomon, for instance. Okay, Solomon's the wisest guy in the world. Why did he end up so badly? Mm -hmm. There's a huge disconnect. And uh, there's, there's, you know, biblical passages that explain what went wrong. And I think they're a great lesson uh, today. Uh, Abraham, why, did, why do we have passages of Abraham, who is the man of faith, who actually demonstrated a lack of faith uh, yes. by lying? Yes. What's going on there? Uh, what's going on with David when he had pride issues? Um, Moses. Moses, the lawgiver, the man who liberated the Jewish people from Egypt that God used, never got to see the promised land himself. Yes, his, his encounter, his anger, and he strike, he, where he strikes his, the rock. His anger. Um, so what is happening there? Now, obviously, God used these people, okay? But I think their strengths are where they failed God. It wasn't their weaknesses. Abraham's known for his faith, and yet he demonstrated fear. Moses is known as, as, his, as being the God's man. Would you, would you say that, 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 that our enemy, the Satan, frames more traps than around strengths absolutely. and weaknesses? A, you know, a, a, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I use the illustration of the Trojan horse, and everybody thinks that the Greeks won over the 
the Trojans because of the horse. The horse wasn't what got the Trojans. It was their pride that the horse, you know, targeted. Yes. And it was their pride that allowed that horse to get in behind the walls where they were no longer protected. And, um, and you know, for 10 years, the Greeks were trying to get behind those walls. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Suddenly, they evoked uh, this horse, with, which evoked the pride of the Trojans, and suddenly the doors were open easily. Um, so that's, that's the premise of the, okay. of the entire book. Why, why did you write it? Is it was, was it part of your own journey, part of your own, I need to address this because it's something that it's, it's burning in your heart and you felt this has not been seriously looked at by oh, oh, other yeah. writers. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm... I, you know, I, I know you go to publishers and, and every author says, oh, I've got this really original <laughs> idea. Yes, but I, I, you know, I, but I, I, I think I can actually, actually claim that. Um, even if you look in the business world, you will not find a lot of resources about, um, about um, you know, what damage this, your strengths could potentially have in your life. It's very limited, very, very limited. And this is looking at biblical characters who stumbled. Right. And we don't often know what to do with that. And that's the beautiful thing about the Bible. It, it, it shows people in, in all their weakness and in all their strengths. And, and coming back and to your grace yeah. uh, a focus that God, in an amazing, merciful way, deals with the complexity of people. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, it, it's 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 been an interesting journey uh, with the book and and it, it was very much for for me. But if if you notice in the culture today, one of the big things that that they're advocating for leaders is self awareness. Yes, and exactly. and part of writing the book was to help people uh, help to understand themselves better, especially in an area that they're probably not even looking at. Right. And the more leaders that we can protect and the more leaders that become self-aware of the potentials, the better it is for culture and society altogether. Many, many organizations have, even, even the church, have been hurt long-term because of the failure of one person that I think could have been at least avoided or warned well, I look forward to, uh, to reading further uh, into it and encouraging others to, to explore it. I know you also blog regularly. Mm-hmm. How did you get started and what kind of feedback uh, have you received from readers of the blog? I, I, I know several read it and take a look at it and you send it out as part of your, really your pastoral strategy and pastoral commitment and leadership. Uh, you're taking leadership topics in this. Yeah, I, you know, again, it was more, more outside pressure <laughs> to, 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 <laughs> to, to do more it. people tapping on you yeah and and um y- you know and and plus uh it became an expansion of some of the stuff we were doing in the church and 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 people you know is there something more about this um so i would i would kind of add more because you know on a sunday morning you can't get everything Correct. in yes. and it became a kind of a spillover so people were engaging with the material. And it, it, further. Were you doing it concurrent with where you were currently teaching? Yeah, yeah, in, right. in, in many ways, yeah. Right, yeah. 
It, has it changed, or do you still do it that way? Um, it, it's changed a little bit. Okay. You know, there's you know, ob obviously the, the the topics have expanded exponentially, and I'm not always able to get everything in that that I have on my list. But uh, but it's not so much tied now to what I'm doing on a Sunday morning. Great. Well, I have appreciated very much your uh, your input and looking forward to continued dialogue as. God provides us with the opportunity. May the yeah, Lord bless thank you, you thank here. You. Thanks for your involvement at Heritage. And uh, we're grateful to God for your partnership and what God has uh, taught others through you. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to 931 Growing the Church in Canada, a podcast seeking to explore issues of church revitalization. To learn more about what Heritage College and Theological Seminary has to offer you and your church, please visit our website at heritagecambridge.com where we're seeking to honor and serve Jesus Christ and His Bride, the Church.